Hello, and welcome back to Think Yourself Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Barbieri. Before we dive into this episode, I just want to remind you that if you take a screenshot that you're listening and tag us on Instagram, we'll send you a 15% off discount for the eight-week Retrain Your Brain program. Just take a screenshot and tag me at Heather Barbieri RDN. Thanks for listening, and let's get right to it. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I am really excited to announce that we have Robert Edward Grant on the show. Robert, thank you so much for taking the opportunity to connect with us. I'm really excited about having this conversation today. Um, Just for the listeners who potentially don't know um, who Robert Edward Grant is, you're missing out. I encountered him probably... I don't know, maybe two years ago um, through his Codex um, series on Gaia and just completely blew me away. I fell in love. And in that moment, I was like, I have to meet and interview this man. So it's happening today. So Robert, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Such a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, I'm really excited because um, on Father's Day, something very specific happened uh, June 18th of this year. I have a Schumann Resonance app on my phone, and I monitor the energies and the frequencies Mm -hmm. that are coming Mm -hmm. through. And on that particular day, I saw something I've never seen before. And in that moment, I had this intuitive knowing of this is is huge for humanity, something massive is happening. I took a screenshot of that Schumann Resonance and then tagged you and said, are humans getting upgraded right now? And you messaged back, you um, also attached a beautiful poem that you had shared with me that you had um, received a few weeks prior to that. So basically today, what I would like to chat about is what happened June 18th and how that is impacting us from that moment forward and where we go from there. Well, I think it's interesting because a lot of people that could not explain the anomaly that we saw in the Schumann Resonance uh, claimed that it was because it went offline. There were all kinds of reasons that were given towards it, but then when it clearly came back online, even in, in their own uh, perspective, uh, it still had a very, very strange signature, which looked like geometric patterns. Mm-hmm. The shape of the patterns, for those that hadn't seen it potentially, um, was very akin to what you would think of as DNA. It very much looked like these sort of patterns of DNA uh, where lines were crisscrossing and geometric shapes that had never been seen before on Schumann Resonance. Mm -hmm. So there was a coherence to the pattern. And that coherence to the pattern caused a lot of people to wonder what the heck's going on. Yeah, it was quite quite mind-blowing to see the beautiful visuals that were presented in that pattern. And then- interesting that it was also on the golden ratio day. 618, right, which is also related to DNA. Because any date all year long that would be related to DNA, it would be that date. Because, you know, if you look at the width of a strand of DNA versus its, you know, length before it makes its turn, it's exactly 0.618 versus the width, the width versus the length. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting that it came that way on Father's Day. um, And related probably to uh you know this golden ratio relationship and i thought that was just kind of remarkable as well and i think a lot of people were feeling intuitively that there was some other deeper connection 
that mm -hmm. might be related to DNA activation and, and sort of like humanity going from these stages that we've gone through from Homo erectus, you know, several, uh, you know, probably a million or, you know, several million years ago uh, to Homo sapien and then Homo sapien to Homo uh, sanctus luminous, where I call sacred light mm -hmm. humanity. Okay. So, you know, the other thing that I found fascinating about that Schumann resonance was that when you were looking at the particular patterns, they also resembled the music scale. And I can't think of what, I, I'm not an expert in music by any means, so I'm not sure what that scale um, is called, but I'm going to show you a picture. I'm sure you know. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you see this? Yep. Yep. It definitely looked like that. And which also looks like DNA, right? That's just right. the, it's the wave nature of the musical intervals. Yeah. I mean, it was just absolutely extraordinary. And I felt so blessed to have the ability to connect with that in that moment on that day and have such an awareness intuitively of what was actually happening. And it's something that we've all been so desperately waiting for and very, very exciting. Um, so with all of that being said, I think that there's a lot of people who are confused around the terminology of ascension. So we hear this, you know, being thrown out there um, a lot since 2020. And would you just take a, a brief moment to kind of talk to the audience about the ascension process and how this specifically um, translate to what we are experiencing in the human evolutionary process? So you could think of um, ascension and awakening as sort of a subset of that ascension and ascendancy of humanity uh, moving towards this higher evolution of what we are intended to become. It's kind of like Imagine that you're a caterpillar that didn't know that it was destined to become a butterfly. One of my favorite memes is the, the you know, cartoon of the butterfly reading the newspaper, sitting next to at breakfast, the caterpillar, and the caterpillar looks at him and he says, man, you changed. And the butterfly looks over the paper and says, yeah, we're supposed to. <laughs> right. That's the whole idea, right? But and the same thing is true for dragonflies. Interesting. I did not know this. Learn something new always, especially when chatting with you. Um, so, you know, this this whole idea of transformation, change is something that humanity resists very strongly. So I know for myself, I'm going through all kinds of transformational moments in my life. I'm probably in one of the scariest moments of my life um, with truly surrendering and going all in with trust in the universe and allowing it to just guide me and, and flow me to wherever it is I'm supposed to be in experience in whatever moment. And this is definitely something I've never done before. Um, but I feel that I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if it had if I had not gone through this awakening process over the last many, I don't know, decades, I guess. It's kind of happened incrementally over the many decades where you have those moments of awareness and awakening and start to make action, you know, take action on change. And then you kind of slip back and move forward and slip back. So for me, it's um it, it the idea of transformation and change very much mimics this whole uh, ebb and flow, the wave, right? The frequency, the up, the down, and just trying to find this happy place somewhere in the middle. Um, so for me, a lot of things have changed over the many years as I've had my awakening. And a lot of it relates to my senses. 
So I had reached out to you to kind of have a chat in terms mm -hmm. of, hey, I'm experiencing all of these things that I can't explain. Mm -hmm. And so we had a chat about that and how that is potentially correlated with this DNA upgrade. Can we kind of go there and, and go a little sure. more in depth to this idea? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. So my understanding is here in the 3D or the third dimension, we only have the capacity to experience our reality through five or I guess truly six sensory experiences, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so for me, as I've gone through this awakening process, having, you know, the ability to access more consciousness, I also have felt this sensory shift as well, where I have access to senses or perception of senses that I had never been able to experience previously. Things like enhanced smell, taste, touch, feel, but then there's also things that I can't really explain. And I like to just call them uh, kind of like a knowing, almost this information that I'm accessing. I'm not really sure where it, exactly it's coming from, but it feels very familiar and it feels very much like truth. And I can't deny that component. And I've really tried to lean in and allow that to be more of the guiding force with decision making. Um, but really just tuning in and tapping into that sensory type of uh, knowledge. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense what I'm trying to oh, get yeah. out? Absolutely. I mean, you could think of it like this. We have an electromagnetic spectrum and the electromagnetic spectrum is really just how we look at cycles per second. Mm -hmm. We have longitudinal waves. We have transverse waves. Longitudinal waves would be compression waves. Uh, that would be associated generally with sound uh, type of uh, you know wave transfers. And sound carries mass. We do know this. We have a phonon. And there was also a relationship between the phonon and the photon. So there's a connection between the two. But you could say that starting off with like one hertz, two hertz, these would be cycles per second. And you could expand this all the way up to 20,000 hertz. So starting from about 27 hertz becomes the audible spectrum. And then up to about 20,000 hertz is the max of what humans can hear, unless you're like a dog. Okay. Right? If you're a dog, you can hear beyond 20,000 hertz. And then it starts going into all these different higher frequencies that then can be represented in the terms of microwave ultrasound, right? And some of them, you use not the sense of your ears anymore. You start using the sense of taste or the sense of smell, right? These are different sensor, sensory experiences that we can have to ascertain and and experience the world around us right mm -hmm. and then if you go all the way up to about the 50 you know 55th octave above sound right so from that 27th octave so the 55th octave above the sound or sorry from 27 hertz uh, from that point all the way up you now you're talking about uh visible light mm -hmm. so you're in the terahertz spectrum and then beyond that you're going into x-rays gamma rays Right, you're sort of going beyond uh, what we see in our, you know, got ultraviolet um, light. You're going beyond the, these different uh, sort of wavelengths. As the wavelengths become shorter and shorter, right, you're going into these different types of X-ray relationships, mm -hmm. and all the way up into cosmic rays. Mm -hmm. So X-ray, gamma, cosmic, right? That's kind of what's on the other side of of being above the visible spectrum of light. 
Now we have the senses of our eyes to perceive that, you know, 1% approximately of our experience. And the rest of it is can be in the sound spectrum below 20,000 Hertz. It's going to be our ears. And then you're going to be in the microwave and the ultrasound and these different areas. It's going to be uh, from the relationship that we have that might be associated with our sense of smell and sense of taste. Mm -hmm. Right. And then certain frequencies are related to our tactility. Mm -hmm. Now, as we move into higher dimension and we open up the throat chakra, which is really the fifth chakra, right? You're going into the fifth dimension. Then what happens, it has to go, happen through the opening of the heart. And there are three layers within the throat chakra. There's a self-awareness layer. Mm -hmm. The next layer is self-actualization layer. And that's when you can start to manifest things. You mm -hmm. can actualize things, but you're still dependent on time. And that dependence on time is largely dependent on your own belief systems. So this is why placebos can work. Mm -hmm. right? But if you are very skeptical, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you'll always be right. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you don't believe the placebo is going to work, then the placebo will never work. It's not a function of the placebo as much as it is a function of your own belief. It's not a function of what you believe. It's how hard you believe it. Mm -hmm. So in life, we don't get exactly what we deserve, but we almost always get what we expect. Our expectation informs our reality, mm. right? And how we think of the future is really just the summation of our expectations, mm -hmm. right? And, and how we think of the past is really just the summation of those expectations turned into reality that become the emotional states that we derive from it. Mm -hmm. So space-time memory is like a collection of all your emotional states related to the perspectives of what you experienced. But what you experience is not really what you truly experienced. It's what you believed you experienced. So the aim of the exercise on Earth is to figure out how to expand your awareness and consciousness by perceiving other perspectives, augmenting your narrow perspective of thought and perception by adding other people's perspectives, by walking a mile in their shoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in a way, this is what the universal one or a God figure is doing with us. We allow him or her to experience himself or herself through our eyes mm -hmm. of unique perception. Mm -hmm. And that has a value in and of itself. The universe expands when each new expect expectation becomes a new reality and a new emotional experience. Mm -hmm. It's the emotions that actually inform our world. Right. And it's di direct derivative from our own perceptions. Mm -hmm. So with that, as we expand into the fifth dimension, we go into the third layer of the throat chakra, which is called self-transcendence. Mm -hmm. Self-transcendence is the return of magic. It's the return of miracles. Now, if you believe you're going to experience miracles, you'll experience miracles right away. If you don't believe that miracles exist, you'll never experience miracles. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people that believe that, you know, there's no such thing as miracles and others believe that life itself is the miracle. The latter will always be the one that experiences the miracles. The former will never experience the miracles. Mm -hmm. So they get a self-conditioning bias. That right? keeps them stuck. <laughs> That's right. It keeps them stuck. They're stuck in their own confirmation. Mm -hmm. And that being stuck in today's world can be very severe because you can be stuck inside of this matrix of your own conscious mind 
that is lying to itself in a way to keep you fooled, but exactly as you planned. Mm -hmm. We only wake up through a series of softenings of the heart. As Richard Rudd says, it's a series of softenings. When we finally realize that we're not here on earth to learn better judgment, rather we're here on earth to learn how to love and how to be loved. Mm -hmm. And once the importance of that love supersedes the importance of being right, you know, lots of people have experienced this in relationships. You get an argument with your spouse. At some stage, if you've got some wisdom, you'll say to yourself, you know what? My relationship with you is more important to me than who's right or wrong. Hmm. And you yield. That's called wisdom. That's not hmm. stupidity. When hmm. I was a young kid, I used to think my parents were stupid because like they couldn't understand, you know, basic decisions, you know, capital punishment right? Things like abortion and all this stuff. It's like, this is right or wrong. You know, make your decision. It's all black and white. And then I realized through living life that everything I thought was black and white was really just shades of gray, gradations mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. same spectrum. Mm -hmm. So as we move into higher consciousness, we realize that we transcend our judgments and move into an acceptance and love of our experiences, regardless. Mm -hmm. Because we Wait. realize... It's not that this is happening to me. It's why did I choose this for myself? Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of where things get a little bit tricky for many individuals, because first and foremost, they don't have the conscious awareness of all of this that in which we are discussing. And because they are forming their belief system through 1% of that perceptionary experience that they receive through their senses, they form this distorted belief system and they have the evidence that they utilize from all of the past experiences that then become the projected outcomes of the future. Is that kind of? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So this is something I see, you know, which hurts. It's the environment that I interact in on a regular basis is a challenging one because it is mental health and substance abuse recovery. And so in these environments, you know, people, they have a label. You are a user, you're an alcoholic, you are yeah. X, Y, Z, and they attach to these labels. And in my opinion, in the society in which we exist, it's almost like this badge of honor to have all of your diagnoses stapled right all over you. We could oh, yeah. put them on the form of like a prescription sticker or something all over us that we then use this to establish our sense of identity. And so what I experience is that so many people are stuck in a cycle of pain and suffering, being the victim, but they don't know how to drop out that belief system and just surrender into the present moment and embrace this idea that we are these imaginary creatures that have the ability to manifest anything into our reality, but we just don't know we have the ability to do that. Correct. Oh yeah. So yeah, I think, I think we all get stuck in this to a certain extent, or at least at some point in time in our lives where we want to associate because we have such a strong need to belong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if, if, if all of a sudden those avenues are very difficult to engage with, um, especially in a world of social media, mm -hmm. where we believe everyone's got to have like this perfect life and be traveling around, taking selfies and 
living this glamorous lifestyle. If your life is not so glamorous, then I can see how people just feel like they don't fit in, probably which is driving maybe the suicide rates to be as high as they are. Maybe it's driving other behaviors and other sort of toxic uh, sort of outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so what that to me means is that we can easily fall into this notion of this happened to me and then want to classify ourselves in a haplotype mm -hmm. of, of sorts, right? Where we're like, okay, I'm a haplotype. I'm uh, addicted to substances. I am, you know, um, handicapped because of this, that, or the other, right? And, and then you get new handicap forms that are basically now all over society. Mm -hmm. We have new names, right? Uh, it becomes in vogue in a way to become allergic to things even. Right. And you're easily very often in this mindset, you can easily become offended. And so what society has been forced to do is to dumb itself down for fear of offending somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happened. We're in an eggshell um, society right now. So so if that is is our current circumstance and we know that this evolutionary process is dependent on this throat chakra how does this work out for us yeah i mean first of all the throat chakra can only be really in balance and 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 land at that stage when you've been able to transcend the duality and realize your own darkness mm -hmm. that's why transcendence of duality is the precursor to the highest level of the throat chakra even opening the throat chakra also has another name it's the theodorus it means gift from god because it literally brings the divine into the earth plane. And, you know, everyone these days wants to visit Egypt. Well, the great pyramid complex is the throat chakra of planet earth. Mm -hmm. So this manifestation uh, translated over into, you know, being able to succeed. And this is the other thing that happens when you first start to gain this magic, gain this magic layer of the throat chakra, you literally are both the embodiment of as above and so below. You sit at the very center between the spiritual worlds where they overlap and the material worlds. So the mental world and the material world. Mm -hmm. The roots have to extend deep into the ground for the tree branches to extend far into the heavens. And the person who is able to master uh, their consciousness to the stage that successfully traverses the throat chakra bridge and the third layer of the throat chakra, which is the self-transcendence layer, is exactly what I'm describing. You need to be able to be one foot in each of these worlds mm -hmm. and be at oneness with it, not be judgment, judge, you know, in judgment of yourself, mm -hmm. but rather to be at one with who you are and why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So you had invited me to come and visit you at your office. A, a while ago um, to kind of initiate this conversation. And when I was there, you shared some information with me. You had, um, we were discussing some past health issues and something was coming up through you for me that was associated with my liver and that a lot of the liver compromised function I was having was associated with anger. And so since I, um, were with you that day in the office, it really put me into a deep reflective state around this anger. 
And it has shown me a lot of things, things that I wasn't really, I, I was completely shocked by. Number one, um, a lot of the anger that I am harboring has a lot to do with not feeling good enough, not feeling like I've achieved enough, just not feeling mm -hmm. enough. And yep. so it's funny because when I first had this conversation with you and started reflecting on this whole idea mm -hmm. of anger, there's many layers of the anger that are incorporated into my being. But for me, I think one of the biggest surprises that came up was this idea of how hard I am on myself, how much I do judge myself and, um, how much anger I am actually harboring towards that self-judgment. So that was a really big epiphany moment. And since then, it's really got me um, almost kind of like in this hermit mode, I guess you could call mm. it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Where, where there's been a multitude of times that I actually wanted to cancel this interview with you over the past couple of weeks, you know, giving my telling myself stories of being an imposter and what's the point and, you know, how is this one interview going to make any difference? And it really just sh showed me like straight in my face, like, wow, Heather, you're scared. You are holding yourself back. And in a sense, this is a form of self-sabotage uh, mm -hmm. to continue to stay in my victim stories, you know, that conditioned in early childhood um, around not being enough. So I just want to thank you for that awareness. <laughs> and now I am going to be diving into um, another challenge that really addresses the material component of our reality. And so let's go back for a moment. Uh -huh. Yeah. Let's go back for a moment. So what is it that you realize, if I might ask, because mm -hmm. um, I didn't say specifically what your anger that I was feeling and picking up on was. Yes. I just intuited it. Yeah. And I said, you have to figure this one out. I <laughs> I can yeah. only tell you that I feel like that you're carrying a lot of angst and anger inside of your solar plexus area, which mm -hmm. includes your liver. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that that needs to get released to get some resolution. So did you figure out what that might have been referencing to? I think I have. So I think a lot of it has to do with this idea of not achieving enough, not being enough. Um, in the history of my career, so I, I shared with you when I came to visit that I had gotten diagnosed um, learning disability in kindergarten. I started the day after my fourth birthday. So I technically wasn't developmentally ready to go into that kind of environment. Well, long story short, they diagnosed me learning disability. And from there, that shaped the precursor of my expectation of self. And as a result of that, I held my, I have held myself back in life from trying, trying to do things that I felt were out of my scope of, you know, expertise or whatever. So one of the things that has been really clear for me we both discussed that back in um, the early 90s, I was diagnosed with IgA nephropathy. Yep. And with that yep. diagnosis, that was- I the, was as well. Right. Was the opening of the door into the holistic realm. Because at that time, I could not get health insurance and I didn't have access to the medical system. And so I had to figure it out. And back in that day, we didn't have Google. So I had to go to the library. 
And as I slowly started learning these things and incorporating them, it started making massive changes in my life. But first and foremost, I refused to accept the diagnosis that I only had five years to live. I could not accept that as my reality. And I said, watch me. And then secondly, there's always been this intuitive component within me around health and having a better understanding of what is happening to the human vessel from a health perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been ahead of the trends. So like back in 2013, 2014, I was preaching gut health. I was one of the, you know, practitioners back in that time who was like, no, your gut is connected to the brain. This is correlating with our mental health. And I was mm -hmm. really, you know, persistent about it. So long story short, in my opinion, I feel like I have always been um, one of the pioneers in bringing up and broaching these challenging topics around health mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. many will cannot accept. And, you know, yeah. And as a result of that, I've stayed true to myself. I've spoke my truth. I've taken a lot of judgment, mm -hmm. a lot of criticism. And then the moment that this concept becomes embraced by mainstream media uh -huh. and everyone jumps on board, I never get an apology. No one ever comes back and gives me the acknowledgement for what I was trying to pave out earlier. So what I believe is that I am frustrated and harbor anger towards having the bravery and the courage of being the first, but then never getting the recognition in the end. So it it's an ego-based component. It's, it's my ego desperately going, I'm not the little girl with the learning disability. Somebody please acknowledge me and give me the credit that I deserve for honoring my intuitive information and yes. pursuing it desperately <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to the end. Right. Totally. So, so with that being said, it kind of takes me into something else that I want to talk about that goes back to this DNA and this idea of ascension and evolution of consciousness. Yep. And in my opinion, a lot of this goes to the microbiome. So in my opinion, we are very much an ecosystem like the solar system in which we exist. And we forget that these microbiome have their own identity and their own genetic expression uh -huh. that then interacts and plays a role with our own personality characteristics and behaviors, mm -hmm. as well as our epigenetic expressions. And so in my opinion, I feel like this is something that is being really overlooked, especially from other health practitioners, specifically around nutrition. Uh -huh. Because over the last 70 years, the human went from eating natural, whole, organic foods to now we just consume synthetic, engineered chemicals. I don't know what we can call them, mm -hmm. but you know, the, the food in the pantry, the refrigerator in the pantry, not only did the human go through colonization, but so did our, our food. And mm -hmm. I feel like we have to decolonize that refrigerator yeah. and pantry if we want to have the ability to get our energetics into a place where the microbiome can have a healthy expression on our mm -hmm. own epigenetic expression to help increase our mm -hmm. ability to raise consciousness. Yep. I feel like a lot of the autoimmune diseases are just expressions of our body trying to um, reject all of these genetically modified sources that are 
completely toxifying the cell, yep. the cellular mm -hmm. structure. I, I would agree. And I, I do think, though, that it's possible, again, like placebos work, the mm -hmm. most successful drug that there is. Um, I think that to a certain extent, you know, I've read it where someone could literally do something very, very bad for their health or take, um, you know, eat something that might be problematic, like poison, arsenic mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And yet some people, if you look at sort of hermetic wisdom keepers and alchemists have been able to avoid getting sick because they've been able to raise their vibration. And so someone asked me today, how do you raise your vibration? And my simple answer to that question is to simply, first of all, remember all the things that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. You can raise your vibration if you can start to count your many blessings of life. And that's the best and fastest way I know how to raise my vibration. Mm -hmm. So the vibrational state is dependent largely on our heart space. And to a certain extent, we think of it like, you know, that seeing is believing, mm -hmm. but actually it's believing that seeing more importantly. So our heart space and what we're feeling emotionally is like the recognition that our heart is the tuning dial on a radio receiver that is our brain that pulls in information from an Akashic field as radio wave. It's not local, mm -hmm. right? There's something that's outside of us per se. It might be a reflection of us through a mirror of consciousness. But in general, um, you know, it's, it's important to note that you can dramatically increase your vibrational state just by modulating your emotional state. Mm -hmm. If you can increase your emotional state, then you can transcend any of these feelings. Mm -hmm. If, however, you're bound to the emotional state and you're believing still in that emotional state and that that is the only response it could be for the stimulus that you've been presented with, then effectively you're, you are weakening yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You want to be able to increase your vibrational state through that gratitude mm -hmm. gratitude makes all the difference absolutely but i feel like this you know this idea or this concept of gratitude is something that humans really struggle with you know this is something that i ask the clients um weekly on a daily basis what is something right now that you are grateful for? And it's really amazing to me how difficult it is for people to find something to celebrate, much less celebrate about themselves. <laughs> so well, you know, it's funny. We live in a tough society right now. There's no mm -hmm. doubt about it. And so people are like thinking, well, what is there to be celebratory about right now? in this environment, because it's kind of been a shit show. Let's be honest. Right. Right. So I think. Well, but then I tell them when I, when they say this to me is I say, okay, now let's go easier than that. How many people have you ever heard of that cannot walk? A lot. Okay. How many people have you ever heard of that might suffer from blindness? Not as many, but quite a few. Mm -hmm. How many might have low mental cognition, especially in post-COVID. Quite a few. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this whole notion of being able to pull yourself out of the doldrums 
It can absolutely be done when you start with something simple like, I'm grateful I can breathe. I'm grateful I can walk in the sunlight. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful I can see my kids. I'm grateful because all these are the things that you would feel really crappy about if it were taken away from you. So what I'm hearing you say is that we really need to make an effort to simplify the process of great being grateful and yes. in the moments where we really can't find anything about ourselves mm-hmm. to celebrate, really it is dialing it down to as simple as being able to take a breath, see with our eyes, step up out of bed and support ourselves on our own two legs. Correct. Um, so For an individual who is in the depths of their victimhood and really, really struggling um, to see the point, what's the point? Why, why am I, you know, doing Mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. How, how can we encourage that individual to be open to practicing gratitude without creating an offense? Um, You know, the way I do it is I just... Uh, take them through an example of meditation. And I ask them to state the things that they're grateful for. And I give the example first. Mm-hmm. And I start with something really easy, like, I'm so grateful that I can breathe. Mm-hmm. And then that makes shit real. We have a way of thinking that, like, you know, life sucks so bad because you turn on the news, it's another depressing thing. Right. Because you don't even realize that the things that you judge are the things that keep getting attracted to you. Mm-hmm. So if you could pull a step back and just say, I'm grateful I can breathe. I'm grateful I can walk. I'm grateful I can see. It changes your whole mentality. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time feeling fear-based thoughts when I am also feeling deep gratitude at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to really attempt to embody that and really go all in with that statement you just made um, because I'm getting ready to step into probably one of the scariest positions I have put myself in. There's a lot of excitement, but then there's still some fear underneath it all. Um, I had shared with you that since September 1st of 2021, um, I got COVID and fried my hypothalamus. And then from there, everything just went downhill So Mm -hmm. it's really brought about a new perspective of appreciation for me. I was in such optimal health from that time that I got my diagnosis of IgA nephropathy and really dialed in my lifestyle habits. For 30 years, I felt great. I forgot what it felt like to be, you know, the average person out there. Mm -hmm. And so having to go through this experience I have been able to really dial in and find the gratitude in it, which mm-hmm. initially was a challenge. And now I'm looking yep. at this like, wow, what? Wow, who knew? But first and foremost, it made me have a greater sense of appreciation and compassion for others and Very what true. they are experiencing on a regular basis. It and if helped- that's all you do, that will raise your vibration in and of itself. Yes, that that is true. And then another deeper component of this is I had gotten married and then basically my husband and I entered into this marriage uh, as complete strangers and went into basically like an arranged marriage ship type situation. And then um, I became ill and have pretty much been bedridden. 
So this presented a lot of obstacles within my relationship capacity, but most importantly, it challenged me to have to learn how to start receiving. Yeah. And that was big. That was like mm -hmm. really big. Um, a moment of forcing myself to have to trust that I'm mm -hmm. not too much, that I'm not too sick and I'm not too much of a burden mm -hmm. and I'm not mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Right. And lean into this idea that this person truly cares about me and has love for me and just wants to see me recover, that I have to express my needs in order to get there sooner than later. Mm -hmm. And that's something in my past, I've been a very stubborn person from wounding and fear of rejection that I have really leaned into, I have to do it all. And I, you know, can't count on mm -hmm. anyone else. Makes sense. And so that's been another really huge lesson. And then thirdly, um, due to my circumstances as a child and having a lot of financial insecurities and growing up in an impoverished type of um, home environment, I realized that a uh, certainty around financial means and housing is something that I have really attached to. My husband is a... Um, traveler. He is from Italy. He's traveled the last 20 years. He's never really been in one spot for too long. So for him, you know, being anchored to one spot has right. been prison, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So I've decided that I am going to let go of my ideas of what I need to thrive. And I'm throwing caution to the wind. And in two weeks, him and I are setting out on a six month international travel and so I'm letting go of everything and just going wow. out there with no expectation, no wow. agenda, no itinerary, and just seeing what this is all about. I'm being called <laughs> for something. Good just for you. don't know what it is. And I'm approaching it from a perspective of I get to go travel with my friend, you know, and from there, what happens, um, you know, only, only God knows. So yeah. So it's exciting, but also very scary um, in many ways. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. And um, I think that that sounds so exciting for you to be able to go on a six-month trip. That's something to be grateful for. You're able to go on a six-month trip and not really think about it twice. I mean, I don't know many people that can do that. Well, and that's because I'm choosing to believe that the only thing that's important right now is this moment. And I don't need to be concerned about the next. But I've had a lot of people ask me questions like, you know, I've worked hard to establish a career and identify mm -hmm. myself and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And so giving up all of that, that I have worked hard and acquired and established over the last seven years of being out here in California, it's scary. Like, okay, yeah, I'm imagine. just walking away from all this beautiful little creature that I created from nothing and formed into something so beautiful. The podcast, I don't even want to put the podcast on my plate. Like I literally want to go out there with no obligations and no expectations to just see where the wind drifts me to. Right. Um, I, <laughs> it is, 
But there's, again, something within me that just has this knowing, this feeling that this is exactly what I am supposed to be doing. I mm -hmm. don't need to know the who. I don't need to know the why. I don't need to know the how. I just need to trust in the process and start taking the action steps towards making it well, happen. And that's a, that's a soul knowing. Yes. And that is something that um, I feel very, very much connected to. And because of that, I can't deny what I'm feeling. And therefore, I have to take the action steps, despite how scary it actually is. Makes sense. No, I totally agree. But there's a lot of people who are like, how the hell can you do this? You know, we have a very limited budget. We won't be having any income coming in. So there are a lot of scary things on the table, but I believe so much in what we are being called to that I trust in it completely and know that this is a no-lose situation no matter what. That's very cool. Well, I wish you luck on that trip. I'm sure you're going to have a great time. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be relaxing. I think <laughs> it should be interesting. For me, what my heart is being called to is to go out there and really seek the authentic components of what it means to be. You know what? It's funny, you say that. it's funny you say that because I'm actually doing something similar. Oh, I yeah. Think. Yep. I'm going to Egypt and uh, I'm not going as a tour guide. So I'm not going with any any you know group or anything like that that I'm having to kind of answer to. I'm just going to go to experience. And I'm kind of at that point in my life where I wanted to have a similar experience to what you're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And I'm very excited about it because I'm going for my own discovery, my own purpose, my own reason. And um, you know, I've had a very successful career that I'm very grateful for. And I've had a bit of a, you know, a windfall. And instead of doing what I would normally do, which is to kind of decide, okay, what's the next mountain to climb? Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm going to do the exact opposite. I love this. So for me, the way that I'm kind of embracing this journey or this adventure is I'm really choosing to put myself into the seat as the observer. Not, yep. to, not to be the judger, not to be the person out there making it all happen, but to truly put myself into a circumstance of just observing. And what, what can I get out of this observation that is going to serve me and serve humanity in a greater way? Yeah, I, uh, I, I just know there's something beautiful. massive out there waiting to be discovered. I think that's really cool. I, I'm very excited for you to do that. Thank you. And I, and I think that I feel also that when you do that, so much of the programming that you still carry mm -hmm. is going to dissolve. My intention is there's hope that that will, you know, occur. I was just saying to my husband the other day, I said, yesterday was a significant date. It marked the anniversary of burying my father on what would have been his 54th birthday 14 years ago. And for me, that was a really big catapult into my awakening journey. Uh, my father was an absent father growing up very much in his substance abuse and alcoholism. And so a lot of my, you know, issues around abandonment and rejection 
definitely ha are rooted in my interaction with him as a child and into adulthood. And I realized that in life, my father couldn't really give me things, material things, emotional support, physical support. However, in his death, he gave me the biggest gift ever. And that was the courage to choose something different for myself than settling for all of the, you know, generational patterns that we have been subjected to and and so in that moment, after my father passed away was when I really realized that I was repeating a pattern and that not only would that pattern have an impact on me, but then it would also have an impact on my two daughters. And I did not want that for them. What I was teaching them was that this was okay and that this was baseline and I wanted more. And so for me, I really find a lot of gratitude in the passing of my father. And I know that might sound morbid to some, but through, through that, he gave me something so spectacular, so tremendous, something that I am so grateful for. And I truly don't believe that he could have done that in the physical while here on earth. I don't think that it would have um, anything he could have said or done would have had the impact like what we went through did. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely see your point on that. So I was saying- I, I know lots of people, no matter what happens to you, with the advent of time and with perspective mm -hmm. and the shift in polarity, what we often think is the worst thing that ever happened to us can often shift into the best thing that ever happened to us. Absolutely. Yeah. I know for myself that I experienced that when I was going through undergrad and trying to get into an internship- and I had really limited options because I was a mother and needed to stay in the area. And so ultimately I ended up not getting my first pick and ended up having to go to grad school to get internship and go that whole route. And I always say that I remember how hysterical I was, how upset, how devastated I was. But the truth is that was the biggest gift because that program, that master's program that I had to go through gave mm -hmm. me so much more than my undergrad could have ever given me. It, you know, it had, it just, it completely changed my world and completely changed my perspective of how to practice holistic health. And it's got everything to do with rooting and understanding human behavior. If we don't understand human behavior, then we don't know how to start to initiate any kind of change. That's exactly right. You know, it's our brain that is a not a storage device for memories, but rather a radio receiver. And our heart is the tuning dial. Mm -hmm. And we tend to carry our past traumatic experiences. And the trauma isn't because necessarily it's someone's fault. I mean, I believe we chose it all. Right. We chose it so that we could learn through that experience. Mm -hmm. of being able to dissolve that trauma and then realize why we chose it. Mm -hmm. And then you know it's done. And what you have learned, you don't need to repeat. I guess in this life experience, I decided to put a lot on the table and go out there and knock as many of those lessons out as possible at one time. <laughs> That's impressive. I also feel like this is probably the first human experience as a female I've ever had. And there's been many challenges in that itself and trying to get out of that masculine controlling energy, surrender, receive, 
soften up. So that day that you invited me to the office to chat with you was mm -hmm. really a pivotal moment. Um, and, and since then, like I mentioned earlier, it really has put me into this state of hermesy and really wanting to be within and protect myself and, yeah. and just be with myself. Mm -hmm. I, 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 there's just this really beautiful idea and intimacy of just being with me right now and, and learning more about me. And so Many people, when they start to go through this hermesy period, which I'm pretty sure it happens to most people throughout their awakening at some point, if not many times, they judge it, they criticize it, and they look at this as if they are going in the wrong direction. What are your thoughts about that? And what advice would you have for the individual who is judging themselves right now for being in this kind of dormancy stage? You know, I think a lot of people, when they finally realize that they are the obstacle that they've been blaming outwardly mm -hmm. and that they chose it all, mm -hmm. they go through this period of even deeper self-loathing. Okay. And, and sometimes you have to kind of hit the bottom to really start to ascend again. Mm -hmm. And so people start to go through this whole mentality of, oh, I'm no longer, you know, so-and-so. I'm the actor that used to be known as Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. And they hate themselves even more. Mm -hmm. It's just a further extension of narcissism. Mm -hmm. And then they think they're enlightened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that everybody that still has any ego of separation is, you know, just a scourge on society. Mm -hmm. And then they start calling out everyone else's ego. Well, the only person who notices everyone else's ego is the one with huge ego. Yeah. So, but the real benefit here is to realize that our personas, the mask that we've created for ourselves, not only serves the purpose of teaching us what we need to be taught, it provides us with the opportunity to realize that there is a mirror of consciousness, but also it does one other very important thing. It allows us to be able to perceive the universe through our own unique eyes of perspective, which has value to the universal one. Mm -hmm. This is how the universe expands. It expands. God himself or herself wants to expand her consciousness, wants to expand through seeing things through our eyes. The only way we can learn and expand and gain more wisdom and be a lover of wisdom philosophy, which that means lover of wisdom, is to be a lover of learning and the desire we have to see the universe through different perspectives and viewpoints. Mm -hmm. That means that ultimately we come here to believe that, you know, this world is a world of judgment and we need to get better at judging. Mm -hmm. I don't believe we're here to learn better judgment. I believe we're here to learn how to love, as I said earlier. Absolutely. So if that's the case, then the only time that we truly transcend into this higher third level of the throat chakra is when we start to realize and embody the fact that the expression of love supersedes to us in importance and experience the desire for objective truth. Because we realize that the only way that we have truth would be to sum all of the different facets, not facts. Mm -hmm. So I used to think that I was collecting facts on life and I was good at collecting facts. I had a good memory and everything. 
And then I finally realized that all the facts that I had been collecting were actually just facets of experience, mm -hmm. facets of viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I could actually expand my knowledge is to gain more and more viewpoints. Mm. Why Man. do you think God himself or herself separates himself or herself into the many? Simply for the joy of becoming one again mm. and realizing that the sum of all possible subjective perspectives could be the only truth that exists. And the reason for that summation of all these facets is only one thing, and it is love itself. So the only truth is love. What we think of as objective truth is just a falsehood. It's just a facet. It's one of the facets of this prism here. Mm -hmm. You know, I got this as a um, award uh, earlier this year for lifetime achievement from Cal State Fullerton. Ooh, congrats. Uh, it was very nice. Very, very nice. For mainly for the stuff I had done in business and everything, but also in the in the area of philanthropy and, and entrepreneurship and polymathy and all that. And this year has been an incredible year for me. I've gotten more awards this year than I ever thought that I would ever get. I got an award from the Vatican for, you know, quantum cryptography and uh, they let, had me speak there. Um, I got this award. I got the award for best TV host and best actor on Codex. And I was like kind of laughing because I'm like, what in the heck is with all these awards that I keep getting nominated for? It's like, I didn't even think anything of well, why would I be getting this? It makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's mainly because I maybe for the first time in my life, I don't really give a damn. Yeah. Yeah. And the things that you chase are the things that will always be elusive to you. Yes. Until you no longer chase it. The, the things that we judge are the things that we attract until we no longer judge them. Mm -hmm. So what happens for people like Jim Carrey is they have to kind of come to the realization that, hey, being Jim Carrey is perfectly fine. That is part of the divine plan that is you. Mm -hmm. And you need to fall in love with that. And this is what it means to be the master of two worlds. Because we often go through this spiritual path where in the hero's journey, you, you have a crisis and you end up in this special world that's like this magic world. Mm -hmm. And you realize there's a whole other world there. And so then the natural tendency is to become a hermit. You become comfortable in that world. Mm -hmm. And then eventually that's no different than realizing that a caterpillar has to go through this molting process that has to go through this cocoon. Mm -hmm. It hermitizes itself. And then eventually it comes out. It doesn't regret having been a caterpillar when it becomes a butterfly. Right. The butterfly says being a caterpillar was a necessary as aspect of me to form my chrysalis, right? That's the, the whole thing that they get formed in to become a butterfly. Mm -hmm. You can't separate one from the other. All of the negative experiences I had led to my becoming a butterfly, mm -hmm. led to my resurrection. And that is the ultimate story of life, I believe. I Well, I agree with you. I, I think that that is the gift of life, is being able to take it and transform it into something that is renowned as beautiful, precious. So when I, when I got this award, you know, they asked me to give this speech and and of course, I thank the people that meant a lot to me and everything in the process of it. 
But I also said, you know, but for the first time in my life, I, I used to always think I, I needed to have all these mentors. Mm -hmm. And now for the first time in my life, I don't feel like I need to have mentors anymore. I can be my own mentor now. Mm. I no longer loathe myself for my own ego. I realized that my existence and my ego itself was there to serve a beautiful purpose. Mm -hmm. Whereas a few years ago, I, like you, became a hermit. Where I went deep, I, I was so questioning my own reality and my own objective reality that, you know, having collected all these facets that I thought were facts. Right. I, I realized that after having experienced extreme betrayal, I realized that maybe the way I was perceiving the world was not correct. And I needed to go back and reconstruct my objective reality. And mm -hmm. I did that through mathematics. Mm -hmm. I said, does one plus one really equal two? And I started with that and then went to more complex geometry and then went to more complex algebra and more complex calculus and went all the way reconstructed all of mathematics because that was the foundational basis as the queen of the sciences mm -hmm. for my objective reality. Wow. And what I realized was that everything I had thought about mathematics was also incorrect. <sighs> the mathematics is not this nameless, faceless, meaningless thing that we all hate to learn. Mm -hmm. Math without meaning is just information. Math with meaning is philosophy. Math with meaning is divine love. It's communication with the one universal source of all. It changed everything for me. And so that led to a series of experiences, a series of further awakenings to fall in love again with even my persona that I had come to hate. Mm. Wow. And that became a beautiful experience. And now I'm living that beautiful experience where I'm now feeling like I can be in both worlds. I can be in this world of the spiritual realm and be a hermit, or mm. I can be um, on the earth and manifesting. I, it's okay now. Mm -hmm. I've given myself permission to live freely. I've given myself the freedom to live. It's time to let love love. And to let my soul's expression be its fullest expression. However it is that I want without impediment, without obstacle. Mm -hmm. Because I'm no longer perceiving those obstacles. I don't see it as obstacles anymore. And then I look back on my life and all the most difficult experiences I'm so deeply grateful for. The things that I would be grateful for today in my gratitude mantras would include the things that I thought were my worst nightmares before. Mm -hmm. And that's what this hermetic hermit path actually does, right? You know, the word hermetic is often used also in reference to medical devices. When we put a pacemaker in because we are, we've got an abnormal heart arrhythmia. The most important thing with a pacemaker is that it has to be hermetically sealed. Mm. Hermetic sealing is a method that was used to seal things up like encrypted secrets or whatever, so that there was no way anything could penetrate through it. Mm -hmm. You know, you would want like a hermetic encryption. Mm -hmm. Hermetic encryptions were the best. 
And it's the same thing here. We we want to have a hermetic experience because we have to close ourselves off to a certain extent from the world to go through our chrysalis to become the butterfly we were always destined to become. That we just didn't realize that even the aspects of ourselves that we didn't like was the catalyst. These things were the catalyst for that higher evolution mm-hmm. and transformation into our version of Homo Sanctus Luminous. Mm, so beautiful. So I want to ask you this question. How grateful, fortunate, lucky do you feel to be alive in this moment with this knowing? You know what? It's I'm 54. So it's not like I came to this realization earlier in life because I, I really didn't. You know, I I remember going up until the time I was 42 or 43 years old. I didn't even feel like an adult yet. I think this is one of the things that men face as a challenge. You know, I don't know I if I ever want to be an adult. <laughs> yeah, well, the reason why I didn't feel as an adult is because I didn't feel like I'd, I'd earned my position as a man yet. Mm hmm because I felt like I had to leave my mark on the world. I had to be successful. And I I was like one of the most successful people I knew, if not maybe the most successful person I knew personally. And, and so like me, I was like, oh, I'm not, I haven't achieved what I need to achieve yet. Mm-hmm. And I always had this monkey on my back. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like that anymore. I've achieved enough. I don't need to achieve more. And I remember part of it, I used to blame on my mother because my mother was like kind of a hardcore tiger mom who would say to me, you know, oh, son, you got all A's and one A minus. Next time, if you get all A's, then I'll really love you. (laughs) Brutal, right? Kind of brutal. And it's funny, I told that story at my parents' uh, 52nd wedding anniversary a few years ago. And it was really funny because um, I said that and I thought my mom would be like, oh, son, that's brutal. You know, you should have the story. <laughs> and she's like, well, you got all A's the next time, didn't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Oh, that's that's special. <laughs> but now I'm very grateful for her and I'm very grateful for it. Mm-hmm. I feel that it was necessary. I feel that I... If it hadn't been for her prodding and everything and all the suffering that I experienced as a result of it, and maybe it wasn't even the suffering that I experienced as a result of her or her prodding, it was more my own judgments. Maybe the source of all suffering is actually our judgments. Mm -hmm. Took me a long time to realize that, but now realizing it, it has absolutely changed my life experience. There's a lot of power in that. Yeah, there's a lot of power. There's a lot of power in that. Um, I have, man, I I have so much respect for you. I just admire the work that you've done. Um, you are someone who would be very intimidating to me, especially when you start to do that math talk and then you get into the music stuff. But I have to honestly say, when I hear you talk about mathematics and when I hear you talk about music and light frequencies and all of these things. It just, it gets me excited. It's almost like this, this sexiness, the sex appeal that I never had the ability to entice, be enticed by comes out. And so on that, it was really funny because I feel like the whole circumstance around you and I and, and having this whole thing 
was really more of a validating experience for me. And it was validating that I was on the right path and that I am tapping into the right things. And I just have to continue to trust in that process. So on Friday, June 16th, I was sitting in an office with a um, a colleague and I was saying to the other Heather, I said, Heather, I have got to get an interview with Robert Grant. I have got to sit down. I have to talk to this man. I have to hear what his perspective about this is. And I know we didn't get to go a whole lot into a lot of that DNA stuff and talking about how all of this is happening for us. And essentially we're becoming liquid crystal quartz and all that exciting stuff. But that was Friday, the 16th. And on Sunday, the 18th, you and I had exchanged messages. And so for me, that was really a moment of, wow, this shit actually works. <laughs> like if you just fucking believe, if you can truly believe in yourself and trust, then it's going to happen. And so the fact that I verbalized this on a Friday with such conviction, because I've been saying this for the last two years, like, you know, hey, I hear Robert lives somewhere in Laguna. Anyone see him out and about know how I can contact him? And so the way that all of this happened for me was just absolute beauty. It was very much a validating experience. And I truly am honored and grateful for the opportunity to chat with you and to, to just hear your perspective and your wisdom, because you truly are an amazing being, really helping to serve the collective in so many amazing ways. Thank you so much. And I really wish you all the best on your trip. Thank you. Well, this is going to be an epic trip. I believe our inner children will be playing hard over the next several months. So hopefully we can reconnect down the line and kind of, you know, apples that's, to apples and see what happened. That's the thing that I think is really the big transition right now. And I think this is one is serving the other, which is this, you know, you mentioned, you know, how we're basically transitioning to our light bodies and this homo sanctus luminous and that's really from carbon going up an octave to uh, to silicone. And I believe that uh, fundamentally, the most important aspect of that transition in changing our behavior is going to be that humanity goes from human doing to human being. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And I feel that transitioning happening. I know it's happening within my own being. I just have this desperate desire to just go out and experience and be, to just simply exist without having any intention or some sort of strategized outcome, outcome and goal behind it. So yep. I, I'm really excited and I truly um, want to just offer gratitude and thanks to you for the position that you have played throughout my own journey. I appreciate all of the work and you just have such an eloquent way of describing and celebrating these very esoteric concepts that many are intimidated and have a lot of difficulty comprehending and understanding. You do it in such a, just a beautiful, crafted, magical way. I appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you so much and have a wonderful trip. And thank I'll see you next time. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Do me a favor, and if you loved this episode, please go leave a review. Reviews help make sure that this content reaches more people so that we can continue to heal as a collective. Remember to take a screenshot that you're listening and tag us on Instagram at heatherbarbierrdn for a 15% discount on the Retrain Your Brain program. See you next time.